Joel Chucklebuddy. Yes, who? Jonathan James Ramcharan. Reporting live for duty on this magnificent April 6th in the year of our Lord, 2019. Welcome to Jonathan Ramcharan, the podcast. Get your shoe shined up, boy. Boy. Yes. If you're new to the podcast, my name is Jonathan Ramcharan. I am an actor extraordinaire. I got a diploma in theater arts, 18 years of experience. I've been drunk and high on stage. I've been sober. I've been due diligent. I studied the classics Shakespeare, Moliere, Bernard Shaw. Quentin Tarantino. I uh, trod the boards, do little scene work, acting classes. I'm a fucking actor. Ups and downs, smiles and frowns. Some days I feel like I was born for this. I was made to be an actor, a thespian, one who strides and strifes for justice and peace and harmony and truth in life. Someone who lives from the gut. Speaks his truth on stage. Some days I'm like, ah, fuck it, burn it all. Flush it, annihilate it, to hell with it all. Just the petty squabbles of the artiste. The narcissism. The celebrity ego. Which I don't have to worry about. But um, still, the idea of celebrity. Um, egotism. Pettiness, narcissism, uh, backstabbing, crab-in-the-bucket mentality, just the fucking ills of the industry. Also, the fucking mental health issues, the addiction problems, the just the, the fucking strain, the, the career, uh, there's a word for it, the, uh, the career hazards. Involved in being a performer. It could take a toll on your body, mind, and soul. But hey. You gotta use what you got to get what you want before what you want is gone. You gotta reach for the stars and grab for that ride. You know, I want to be on the next episode of Glee. The next uh, reincarnation of Glee when they bring that show back. You know? Glee. That television program about acting and actors. I live for it. For now. I am a alcoholic. Uh-oh. Two years and uh, four months of sobriety. Coming up five months of sobriety. If you need that in your life, please seek it out. There's no shame in it. There's no stigma that you need to be attached to. You can change your life. You can um, do the most exciting thing with what you got in front of you. If you're anything like I was towards the end of my drinking days, everything sucked, didn't know what to do next. Everything was kind of falling down around me. And I thought to myself, what is the most exciting thing I can do? And I'm like, all right, sobriety. It'll give me a chance to reconnect with Myself, to find out what's underneath it all, to see myself for the first time, 
So yeah, go out and get it if you need it. Hallelujah. I'm a janitor. Yo, what's up, girl? How you doing? Oh, uh, hi. Uh, hi. Yeah, you know, I was watching you from afar, and, uh, you know, you got a nice wiggle to you. You got a good wiggle to you, girl. Oh, well, thanks. But, you know, I don't want to go on. I don't want to go on and put you on airs, you know. I want to let you know one thing right now. I'm a janitor. Excuse me? Yeah, like I said, I don't want to be putting on no airs. You know, God made dirt and dirt don't hurt. I'm a fucking janitor, baby. What do you think about that? Think you could ever love a janitor? Oh, well, I mean, not any old janitor, but uh, one as charming as you. Yeah, well, God made dirt and dirt don't hurt. I'm a fucking janitor. So what? Huh? So what? Because I clean toilets and mop floors? I'm no good, huh? Too grimy for you, huh? Not good enough for you, huh? Can't take me home to meet mother, could you, huh? Your father's embarrassed of me, isn't he, huh? Janitor. Yes, I, uh... That's what I do in order to, in order to facilitate my life. I'm a janitor. It pays my bills. It keeps me in recovery. And it gets me on my uh, creative journey. Because I'm the type of person where, you know what? I got to work. Uh, that's just my story. I don't got, I don't got you know, resources of money. You know, I'm a working person, blue-collar person. I got to work. So while I'm doing that, um, I can't give up my mental space because my mental space is very important. I need that space to um, potentially become the performer, artist I want to be. So I can't have myself inundated with company jargon, company rules and policies, blah, 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 into my fucking head. Blah, 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 into my head. No. I, I need to just do physical work, straightforward work, and it, uh, you know, it's a blessing. Hallelujah. I am also a stand-up comedian extraordinaire. Ten years of service, um, intermediate phase at the moment. I'm, uh, hold on one second, I gotta blow my fucking nose. One moment, please. Thank you. Thank you, my dear listeners. Thank you. Thank you, my dear listeners. I am back. Went to blow my nose. But like, like I was saying, stand-up comedian extraordinaire. Ten years of experience in an intermediate phase right now. Uh, working on new material. Working on building a new hour, a new routine. Uh, hosting shows. And uh, feeling good and grateful. Up at the crack of dawn. <laughs> This Saturday morning, and uh, I'm going to go see a pretty big uh, stand-up comedian show uh, later on today. I'll talk about that, but just living the life of comedy and uh, jobless. So that's the story, y'all. Uh, Jonathan Ramtran, actor, alcoholic, janitor, stand-up comedian. So welcome to the show. If you uh, have been following the show for the last little while, then you would know our righteous Mike. That's the stand-up comedy show I produce here in downtown Toronto. Word up. Blessing. It went down this past, 
it went down this past Thursday. And uh, it was a success. Thank you to all the comics who came on. Uh, I had a really great time hosting it. Thank you to all the audience members. Um, it was a great start to um, the show that I host here in Toronto. The idea is to do... Um, the idea is for myself to be able to have a spot that I host, uh, do some time, work on material, build material, and also give um, the comics who come on some decent stage time, like 15-minute sets. Uh, doing sets of comedy, you know, routine, set, to do a set of comedy in Toronto, uh, it's pretty hard to come by, honestly. Like, um, unless you're, you're getting booked, unless you're, you're kind of in the zone, so to speak, or, you know, you're, you're connected in a way or whatever, it's, it's kind of tough because stage time's hard to come by. So um, that's the idea behind the show is I, I book comics, I give them some stage time, and um, in turn, I get stage time. And um, it helps me network with my community, helps me build an audience, and it's just a blessed thing. So again, very happy. Although, <laughs> although there was um, one or two minor issues. So, um, if you want to know a little bit about the show, in general, I've been trying to produce this show since the beginning of January, right? Uh, I had a first venue. The first venue was a debacle. It was a very tiny space. I was getting the space for free. And uh, the owner, she gave us a chance but at, by, but, but at the end of the day, she really was just a shrewd businesswoman. She didn't care about comedy, and she was just looking for a cheap way to potentially sell drinks. Because whenever people would come to the show, she would just, well, not people in general, but just the regulars, the regulars, the regulars of her bar, her bar flies. Barflies. Whenever these barflies would come to her shit ass bar, she would just overserve them to the point of major intoxication. They're drunk. They're screaming shit. Fuck you. Yeah, say something funny. Nonsense. Like, what I'm thinking there of how to improvise what their impersonation would be, nothing even particularly comes to mind because it's nonsense. That's the level of drunk they were. Like, they're not even making any sense. They're just saying, they're just randomly blurting shit out and being loud and obnoxious to the point of abuse. The comics are just like, yo, like, we're, it was like a battle show. We're fucking insulting them. We're screaming back at them. We're trying to tell jokes. You know, we're fighting for our fucking lives up there. You know what I mean? And these fucking idiots. <laughs> drunk, harassed, harangued us. So I put the kibosh on that. I like, I, I fucking uh, messaged the, uh, the bar owner. And I was like, uh, look, miss, thank you very much for the opportunity. 
I don't think our righteous mic is a good fit for your venue. Thank you very much. And we were out the door. So then um, I've been bum- I was bumbling around. This was like mid-February uh, into March, looking for a new venue. Actually, this was the end of February going into March. And I was looking for a new venue. And I was shopping around, not really getting much success, but I was really putting myself out there. I was calling places, going down to venues, checking spaces out. Finally, I found this quaint little nook. Cranberry's Restaurant, 601 Parliament Street. Little uh, fine dining cuisine spot, quaint restaurant, very uh, welcoming and stylish. They got like um, paintings for sale on the wall by like local artists and stuff like that. They got, um, what else do they got? They got um, fine cuisine, as I mentioned. I have to take a look at the menu. I had not had a chance to take a look at the menu yet. But, uh, you know, they really specialize in fine dining. They got like a, they got a customer base that just like, you know, they're ravenous for it. They're there for takeout. They're there for, they're there for, um, you know, chow time, dinner time, right? Soup's on. (laughs) So, yeah. Uh, that's what what's the deal with there, and uh, you know, and the show went well. They had this nice little um, side room, which is like a private room, which we had booked out, and the the show went very well. The comics came through, the audience was pretty cool, and that's what's that, you know. But like I said, there was a little issue. Um. I, uh, I've been, like I mentioned, in an intermediate phase. I'm, I've got this, I'm like a carpenter who needs a workshop, if that's a good analogy. I'm like a stripper who needs a pole. I'm like a hooker who needs a cock. Like, or I'm like a John, a customer, a custy, some deadbeat uh, hooker cruiser. I'm some, I'm some, like, undateable fuck who needs a hooker. You know, not to put anybody down, you know, like we can all get along. I, I'm like that. I'm just like a fucking, a carpenter, you know, it's like fucking parliament said. A carpenter can't build his house without his tools. I betcha. I don't know. I think you know what I'm saying. I need a fucking space to jam, right? I'm at that place right now where it's like, I got the skill set, I just need to workshop shit. You know what I mean? And that's what I mean. I'm a carpenter who needs a workshop. <clears throat> I'm a carpenter who needs his tools. So, um, you know, that's kind of what's going on with me. The first couple shows, I was really uh, wordy. Wordy. I had my jokes written out. I had my, hold on one second. It's like a I got like fucking allergies this morning. I don't know what the fuck's going on. Hold on. Sorry about that, ladies and gentlemen. Sorry about that. Jeez Louise. <clears throat> fucking hairball. <clears throat> you ever see that uh, video of Frank Sinatra? He's like conducting a band, right? In a recording session. And he's just like... <clears throat> I think I swallowed a shot glass. 
That's a funny joke, you know, when you used to drink. If you cough or something, you go, <clears throat> I think I swallowed a shot glass. Anyway, I had like a fucking hairball in my throat. I don't know what the fuck. <clears throat> fuck. <clears throat> anyway, um, I'm a fucking carpenter who needs a workshop. I'm a hooker who needs a fucking street john. I'm a fucking uh, elephant who needs a fucking tusk, you know? Like, how am I supposed to do my job without the proper uh, expedition, right? So there you go. And uh, that's where I'm at. So uh, the first couple shows, um, even at that first bar, the first harassing, haranguing venue that I told you about. Holy shit, would these fucking ducks shut up? Or what are these things, seagulls? You hear this? Actually, no, actually, I don't mind that. Those are the Canadian goose. The cry of the Canadian loon, I think. They're back in town. The weather's changing. Spring is here. So I don't, I don't, like, I don't mind them. I don't like the seagulls, though. Those fucking webbed foot, fucking dirty flying rats. Anyways, um, I'm all over the fucking place. I'm just trying to tell you something here. Would you, shut, would you guys shut the fuck up and listen? All right? Shut up. I got something to tell you here. Like I said... Carpenter who needs his tools, elephant who needs his tusk. I'm just trying to do my shit. And the last couple venues where I was doing the show, um, I was really wordy. I had all my jokes lined out. I had a plan, bullet by bullet. That felt as shit. Fuck you. It was a battle show. I was fucking fighting with the audience, doing shit off the cuff, doing shit off the fly, off the top, right? Off the top of my head. Then the second show, more or less the same thing. Had to fight every inch of the way. And um, as a host, there's, um, there's a couple different things you have to keep in mind, right? Uh, you have to serve the show. It's not necessarily about you, right? Because, like, for example, as a host, you are hosting a show. So just in that sentence, hosting a show that already speaks that there's somewhat of a separation between the host and the show. You know, I am hosting the show. I'm not particularly on the show. I'm hosting the show. I'm somewhere in between. I'm a part of the show, but I'm not really on the show. There's a separation. Uh, they work together. The idea is for the host to smooth and transition the show along. But there is somewhat of a separation, right? So it's like, I can't exactly be Jonathan the Comedian, right? Jonathan the Comedian lives by the mic, dies by the mic. I'm going to go up. I'm going to do my thing. Hopefully, they enjoy it. Hopefully, they're along for the ride. But at the end of the day, I own it. And then I'm off the stage, right? There's no apologies, there's no thought other than this is my vision for my time on stage and uh, take it or leave it and then I'm gone. As a host, well, it's like hosting a party. Have you ever been to a bar mitzvah and there was no fucking, um, oy vey, ugh, I slept over to this fucking bar mitzvah and there's no fucking uh, 
Brisk, where's the Brits? Where's the meatball sauce? Or the meatball sauce or the matzo balls or what are the fuck these Jewish people eat, you know? Like, you ever been to a shitty brisk? Is that when a kid's get his dick lopped off at fucking 13 or whatever the hell it is? You ever been to like a party? Any type of party where it's like the host is like, um, I don't know. Yeah, begrudging or unreceptive. You ever been to a party like that? I've been to that when like you walk through the door and the host is like, where are you? Who are you? It's just like, holy shit, like I was invited. Like if you've ever been in that situation, that's not a gratuitous, gracious host. You need a host that, um, in my mind, apparently, um, not apparently, but in my mind, um, a host has to be gracious, has to facilitate the show, has to move it along, right? Um, introduce the comedians, you know, that's big and key. Some, sometimes you're doing a show and... The host is so into themselves, right? They're flogging the audience to death with their own jokes. And then when they introduce the comics, it's all very flaccid, you know. Okay, the next comic coming up, uh, put your hand together for uh, so-and-so. Like, no, put some effort into it. Make it sound like an event. Make them feel good. You know what I mean? That's just my opinion. It's not like that's the right way to do it. It's just my opinion. So, anyways, these are things that a host has to deal with. They can't just necessarily be the comedian that they might particularly want to be. They have the audience to keep in mind. They have the other acts, the other comedians to keep in mind, right? So, anyway, that's what was, like, you know, on my plate. So, like, I was, I was trying to be as gracious with the audience as possible leaving room to do some crowd work, interaction, make them feel welcome, fuck around, joke around, do that type of shit, while also doing a little bit of material and uh, doing a good job introducing the comics. And it's a hat that I don't always wear, you know? Like, I've hosted shows plenty of times, but first time in a while, and... It's a different skill set, as I said, hosting the show. You're not necessarily, you're a part of the show, though you're on the periphery of the show. It's a very um, interesting position, host. You know what I mean? So that's what I was dealing with, and it went fine. Um, I did good. They laughed. There was laughter. There was times of awkwardness. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I mean... I'm that kind of comic. I'm like, uh, yeah, I'm that kind of comic. I sometimes I, I'm vulgar, crass, weird, and uh, that's what I'm talking about with balance. You know, how do you balance what I'm doing with how the crowd feels? Because as a comic, I could give a fuck less. Like, I hope you dig it, but if not, drop dead and die. Like, I give a fuck, right? As a host, I gotta be more accommodating because I'm, I'm, I'm trying to build a relationship with the audience, and I'm trying to set the comics up to succeed. Yeah, yeah, that's what it is. I'm trying to build a relationship with the audience and set the comedians up to succeed. It's not necessarily a hundred percent about my comedy. 
You know? Because my comedy is like, fuck you, take it or don't. Hosting is more like, as I'm repeating, beating a dead horse. <laughs> beating a dead horse. My comedy is take it or leave it. Hosting is being gracious and setting the comics up to succeed. So um, anyway, that's what I was dealing with. And uh, the show show went good. I mean, I did fine. I felt good. I felt like it was okay. Like, it was acceptable. It was passable. It was a bar gig. It was good for the first one. On my part. And then the comedians did very well. And they did good as too. So it was just a good show. It felt good. It was fine. You know, another day at the office. After the show, this woman sidles up um, next to me and a couple of the comics, and she goes to one of the comedians. She passes by, and she's talking to one. She's talking to us all, but she goes, um, "You were funny. You were funny." Then she points at me, but you need some work. You need to work at it. And she walks by. And I go, "Thank you." And she like flits off. Right. That was the appropriate response. I just go, "Thank you." You know, I was. Uh, Part of me got a little defensive. And I was going to say something or snap or cut her up. But then I'm like, no. Because she doesn't understand the idea of working on it. Because the first rule of the working world is rule number one. Nobody gives a fuck. Hold on a second. My fridge plugged in. I, I usually turn my fridge off before I record. Hold on. Can you hear that buzzing sound? Mm. Maybe this bitch was right. I gotta work on it. Hold on a sec. Gotta go and plug the fridge. fridge to unplug it. See how long that took? That gives you a, that gives you an idea of how big my apartment is. Um, <laughs> I, I, I left the, the, the office to walk over to the fridge and unplug it and uh, it took less than a minute. Anyways, um, uh, see look, maybe this bitch has a point. <laughs> she goes, you need to work on it. And I go, oh, thank you. And then, um, but like the, the rule of the working world is nobody gives a fuck about your opinion, honey. You don't know how to work on it. The, if, you, if she worked on it, if she truly knew what working was, she would understand nobody gives a fuck about your opinion. Why are you voicing this to me? Fuck off. We live in a cynical world where nobody cares. The fact that you think your opinion matters, you know, Shows the fucking naivete, the bereft of experience that you fucking have, you dumbass fucking, I'm going to hold my tongue. So, there's that, you know, it's like, you don't even know what you're talking about. And number two, I am working on it. Where are we at? Carnegie Hall? Are we at the fucking Taj Mahal, you fucking idiot? Buckingham Palace? We're at a fucking bar. It's a bar gig. It was a pay what you want show. I didn't charge you $50 a fucking ticket. It was pay what you can. I don't think the bitch even paid. And it's like, you have the nerve to say work on it? What do you think I'm doing, you fucking idiot? This is the workshop. You know, we're not even at a fucking, you know, like a, 
you know, a chuckle hut or whatever the fuck, you know? We're not even at a comedy club. We're at a bar. Yeah, you need to work on it. What do you think I'm doing? What do you know about anything? And also her words. You need to work on it. With all the intent and um, frustration of one who was offended. Because like today I was going through uh, some of the footage. Um, I recorded the sets. And I'm, I'm going to send uh, some of the, the, the comedians. The comedians that were on. I have their sets. So I'm going to send them a few sets um, that they recorded. Well, whatever, that I recorded for them. I'm going to send them their sets. And um, I'm looking it over. I'm like, well, people were laughing when I was on stage. I mean, I did my job. I mean, if people are laughing as a comedian, I don't know what else I can do. I mean, I need to work on it. Work on what? Like, obviously, they were laughing. So, like, this is just your opinion. You know what I mean? And, like, work on kissing your ass. Is that what I got to work on? And, uh, but, uh, you know, it got me thinking. I'm glad it happened. And uh, water off a duck's ass. Quack. You know, there's always going to be an opinion. You know what I mean? There's always going to be some sort of fucking officious person who wants to lord over you and give you them give you their opinion and say shit to you and try to tear you down cast a spell on you put a fucking word in your head you know try to twist you around to their way of thinking when they don't know fuck all to begin with so you know whatever thank you very much to all that came it was a fun show and going forward our Righteous Mike. Yeah, bi-weekly. Next show coming up April 18th. Working on it. That's the hilarious thing about um, being a performer, an artist, so to speak. You're never really past the point of uh, criticism. You're always going to get it, right? It's just part of the game. I was at work the other day, right? And I was washing some windows. Washing some windows, you know, janitor shit, as janitors do. Oh, great. An ambulance. You guys hear that? Shut the fuck up. What a busy morning it is. Anyways, washing windows, janitor shit, as janitors do. And um, these two people walk by, right? And they're talking. The first person goes, uh... Oh, have you seen so-and-so's new Netflix special? The other person goes, Oh, yeah, I did see it, but, um, you know, it was okay. Though, so-and-so is past their prime. Their prime was really like 20 years ago. And there I am. I'm like listening, right? I'm like, hmm. Criticizing. You're criticizing somebody who has a Netflix special who's an international movie star, an international successful stand-up comedian. You're criticizing You're criticizing them for being past their prime. And I'm just like, at what point do you get the respect? <laughs> when do you get the respect? He has a Netflix special. 
He has international blockbuster movies. What else can you fucking do to, until you get respect? You know, and it's not like we're after respect. Well, it's not like I'm after respect. It's just the fact that the reality is people just want to say their opinion a lot of times. And they're valid to do it. I mean, a criticism's a criticism. It can be helpful. It can be hurtful. It can, it can be whatever you make it. But I'm choosing to use the criticisms I receive as fodder. Because a lot of it's based on nothing. Because in the story of this man here, this, um, this international uh, blockbuster actor, comedian, this person obviously doesn't need that criticism. They're doing just fine. So-and-so's stupid little criticism. He's past his prime. Oh, he's past his prime. That's why he's still continuing to make successful movies and um, Netflix specials. Because he's just a washed-up hack. That's why this money is just falling in his lap. Doesn't make any sense. Same thing with this lady here criticizing me, you know? You need to work on it. Well, number one, I am working at it. We're not at fucking Taj Mahal, fucking dummy. We're not, the, we're not at fucking um, Buckingham Palace, Royal Albert Hall. We're at a fucking bar venue where comedians work on their material. It was a pay-what-you-can show because we're working on it. I am working on it. You don't know what working is because you haven't worked a day in your fucking life because you're still under the fucking rose bloom illusion that people give a fuck about your fucking opinion. You're a fucking idiot. I am working on it. And number two, you're just sour because I'd never fuck you. You're a dumpy, ugly, fucked up person. Spiritually. You're ugly spiritually. The fact that you would creep up on me and say that to me means I would never want anything to do with you. You got a couple screws less loose in your fucking head. Criticizing a fucking person. A, a stranger. Criticizing a stranger. Anyways, before I get out of here, I just got a public service announcement. Please, do not inhale air dust blasters. You know those little fucking spray air dust blasters? Compressed gas that you use for like cleaning off, um, you know, keyboards or in the little nooks and crannies of life. You know, a little air dust blaster. Please don't inhale them. It says right on the fucking label of the compressed gas canister. It says, inhaling contents may be fatal. With a big, um, no means no, uh, stop, cross out, red cross out sign. Inhaling contents may be fatal. Oh my God. I had to call the cops the other fucking day. I'm walking down the street. This was like uh, Monday, this past Monday. I'm walking down the street. And there's this guy, right? Uh, you know, he's inhaling a fucking air dust blaster canister. He's inhaling it. And he's like, when he inhales it, you get he gets like this weird, like Darth Vader helium kind of sound in his voice, right? He's like, 
And he was like trying to fight people. He was putting his dukes up like Popeye the Sailor Man, right? Putting his fucking dukes up, trying to fight whoever would walk past him, right? And he's huffing, inhaling, blasting this fucking dust air blaster into his head, up through his nostrils, inhaling it, swallowing it. Yo, you can die. You can have an aneurysm, a stroke, a heart attack. You got compressed, highly compressed air bubbles going into your system. And he's trying to fight people, right? And I saw the pain on his face, right? He was putting his dukes up. His face was all red. He was like this scrawny, wiry, drug addict looking dude, right? And he's like, I'm the king of the world. I'm the king of the world. <laughs> trying to fight people. The pain and turmoil and angst in his face. And I, even though he was acting like a complete moron, violent offender, I felt for him because I'm like, yo, man, this guy's... This guy is doing serious damage. This is obviously not his first time inhaling compressed gas, you know? And it's like, yo, you're doing some fucking major damage to your body. Like, that's the type of shit where it's like, even if you recover from this, who knows what the long-term effects are? You may be prone to seizures for the rest of your life. You might be... You're fucking up with your body, major. And I felt for him because I saw it in his face, man. This was just a hurt, scared person. He was just out of his mind. He was having a psychotic drug, compressed air gas, addled episode. He didn't really... I wasn't getting the vibe he was really... Go I mean, hey, man, you don't want to poke a bear. You can never really trust a uh, barracuda. He was acting all fucked. So who knows what his intentions really were. But I was getting the vibe that he was more scared and frustrated and just in a psychotic, compressed, air gas, drug-addled episode. He wasn't really actually going to fight anybody. But I had to call the cops. Because he was a threat to himself. He was a threat to the community. And people were just breezing past him. It's like, yo, he's trying to fight random people and people are just walking by. Oh, I gotta go to work. Oh, I gotta go to pick up the fucking um, the steaks at the book at the butcher shop. I gotta go pick up the fucking avocado paste. Oh, I got a party to go to. Uh, and they're just like walking by, like ignoring the fact that there's this human being trying to fight the general public, doing major harm to himself. Somebody had to do something, and uh, that somebody was actually the police. <laughs> I had to call the police and. Uh, Hello, sir. What's your uh, concern? Uh, yeah, there's somebody inhaling compressed air gas um, on the corner of, uh, you know, blah, 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 downtown Toronto. Okay, sir, we're going to send a unit immediately. Can you please give us a description of the assailant? Uh, yeah, he's a white boy, uh, uh, you know, I don't know, 5'10 to 6 foot, scrawny, scroungy looking motherfucker, red bleary face, checkered blue shirt on, toque, disgruntled. You know, drug addict. Okay, sir, we're going to send somebody right away. Thank you. So, you know, you got to give it up to the police service. You know, as much as I hate them motherfuckers, you know, shooting brothers and uh, just their officious track record of horse shit. Who do you call? You know? It's like fucking uh, Al Pacino said in uh, Heat. Come 
The wet-ass hour. I'm everybody's daddy. Come the wet-ass hour. <laughs> you gotta love Pacino, you know. But uh, come the wet-ass hour. Who are you gonna call? Anyways, it's your old Tucker buddy. Guess who? Janet and James Ramcharan. Reporting live for duty on this magnificent April fucking sixth in the year of our Lord, 2019. Our righteous Mike stand-up comedy show, downtown Toronto. Check us out at Our Righteous Mike on Facebook or hit us up at my website, jonathan-ramtran.com forward slash shows. We got shows. The next show coming up, April 18th, 8 p.m. Details as listed. Till next time, ladies and gentlemen, you live it, you love it, you realize it. I peace.